Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is February 8th, 2023, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I know what you're thinking out there. Mike, it's not Friday. Why are you talking to me today on a Wednesday? It's because the WASD report came out today, so it's a holy WASD day today, and I'm joined by three guests. Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Michael. Thank you for joining us on a WASD day. I know your rules about Friday WASDs. It's Wednesday. So you're joining us today. Thank you. Always great to have it on a hump day. There you go. Nicole Thomas, Vice President, Information Sales and Services. Hello, Nicole. How are you? Hey, hey, Michael. I'm great. How are you? Oh, man. I am blessed to be on the podcast with you guys today. And finally, Last but not least, live from Lafayette, California, we don't get to see him very often, is Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist for McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. Hi, everybody. So glad to have you in the office today, Eric, to talk about the WASD report. Uh, Before we get started, folks, uh, I will remind everybody our spring seminar on April 26th is coming up in Oak Brook, Illinois. And guess what? You can register at McKinney-Flavelle.com. You can register to come in person to get autographs from Kevin and Eric. (laughs) Those are worth something. Valuable. I heard they're worth a lot of money on the eBay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Worth more than uh, a LeBron signed basketball. There there you go. Or even a Derek Carr quarterback (laughs) card, rookie card. Right, Kevin? Well, I, I don't want to brag here, but I think I am the only one that has had a signed business card sold on eBay for like $12. That is actually a true story, <laughs> listeners. It is. And if you want to learn more about that, see him at the colloquium. Right. I'm sure he'll be by the uh, hotel bar to tell that story. So. Um, but if you can't make it in person to our seminar, don't fear. You can do it virtually. You can register virtually as well. So just go to our website and... And uh, we'll look forward to seeing those folks there. The theme this year is action, drama, and the thrill of commodities. So we begin out giving out movie awards. It'll be fun time. And join us. Uh, we'll have our VIP party as well. So anyway, let's move on to the uh, WASD. There's one thing uh, you guys all said that you love about February WASDs is that we can make it quick. <laughs> and I love that. So all you listeners out there, this will be a quick one. So let's start with you, Nicole, and talk to us a little bit about what they did for uh, corn and soy. Oh, that's a little pressure. So, it is. you know, I have a reputation for being a bit verbose. Yeah, so I I'm, 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 I'm going to defy that reputation. On your marks, get set, go. Go. And we had a minimum upward adjustment to the domestic uh, balance sheet for corn, now projected at $1.267 billion. Those ending stocks are up by about 25 million bushels from the last report. But of course, that still remains relatively bullish with a stock to use of 9.1%. Um, the only change to consumption was a minor reduction to use for ethanol. And at this stage, that's probably a fair assessment. We'll see how corn uh, exports pan out down the road. Maybe we'll see some some downward revisions there to help us a bit as well. But uh, I will say on the global ending stocks uh, balance sheet, the number was actually reduced by more than a million tons to 295 
0.28, and that's due to lower Argentinian production. That's now pegged at about 47 million tons. And, you know, we, we probably would have seen a greater uh, reduction here, but we kind of played a little musical chairs with, with consumption, moving some of that out of sort of that general category into exports. Uh, but as it stands today, stocks to use sitting at about 22%. The only other thing I'll, I'll mention here, we did see a upward revision to Ukrainian exports. Those were raised by 2 million tons to 22 and a half million. But, you know, this upcoming year's crop, uh, looks to be a little less promising, at least according to the powers who be within Ukraine, uh, who are are saying, you know, a combination of higher input costs, you know, a, a tough financial situation for producers and uncertainty regarding the war uh, could take our production down from 27 million this year, or excuse me, in 22 to about somewhere between 17 and 19 million tons in 23, 24. And accordingly, exports could fall to about 15 million. So something to watch. That's not in stone uh, yet, but something to keep in the back of our minds. But overall, I would say today's report, as far as corn was concerned, was reasonably uneventful. And we're still looking at, you know, that futures price range for the current crop, somewhere between 650 on the low end to 750 on the high end, if we get a, a little seasonal strength. And between about 575 to maybe 625 to 650-ish per bushel for the 23-24 crop year, at least just based off today's WASD. But this next category is, is certainly something to watch and with uh, could be what pushes us towards the higher end of that range for the new crop futures values. And that's uh, in the space of soy. Now, as far as ending stocks were concerned, uh, we did see a little bit of improvement uh, for the U.S., just modest, 15 million bushels due to a likewise decline in crush demand. Puts us at about 225-ish million bushels for ending stocks, at least as the projection stands today. We we may want to keep an eye on that, though, considering some of the changes to the global balance sheet, most notably that for Argentina, as it applies to not only demand for exports, but just as importantly for soybean mill in the export market, uh, considering that crop was lowered uh, in today's uh, uh, report to just 41 million tons. That's down by about 3 million tons uh, from even last year, which was a, a pretty poor crop as well. The good news is Brazil's crop has been phenomenal. Current projection puts that at 153 million tons, higher than last year by almost 24 million. And Brazilian exports are now projected higher at 92 million tons, and that's up about 16% from, from last year. Uh, so overall, that global balance sheet is getting a little tighter for soybeans. Uh, as it relates to soybean oil, you know, that reduction in crush uh, in the domestic market uh, also led to uh, lower production, but that was offset by a reduction to export demand now projected at a mere 700 million pounds. That's pretty low, particularly relative to what we've seen the last few years. So nonetheless, that stocks to use is at about 7.3%. So, you know, still reasonably bullish, maybe a little neutral. And the thing to watch there is going to be consumption. 
longer term in the domestic market. Uh, we are seeing a little weakness for edible consumption, but the biofuel category has been coming in pretty strong. And even if we just look at November's numbers, uh, they were up about 10% year over year at about 900 million pounds of usage. So, eh, we'll we'll see how that all plays out. And in the global balance sheet, ending stocks came down just a bit now to 4.65 million tons, still looking like a stocks building year. Uh, and vegetable oil stocks as a whole are globally uh, or globally are projected to to rise a bit to 29.94 million tons. That would be up about 2% year over year. So in the case of soybeans, you know, I don't think that increase to domestic ending stocks is, is going to be enough to really tame the market and uh, particularly with ongoing concerns in, in Argentina and folks uh, throwing numbers out there even lower than what USDA has should keep, you know, a pretty good level of support uh, not only for this year, but also for next year in terms of futures pricing. It will be a very interesting uh, next few months as we try to figure out just how much acreage is going to, to corn versus beans. And hopefully the weather is our friend this year and we can get some good yields and maybe come out with some slight improvement of ending stocks for soybeans for, for 23, 24. But I don't want to get people too excited about that. Still looking a little grim unless we can we can pull off some stock or excuse me, some acreage that gets us a little closer to 90 million. And I'll just say I've seen some pretty low acreage projections. Let's just hope they're wrong. Uh, and for the time being, let's uh, anticipate that soybean oil futures are going to continue to hang out in that high 50s to maybe mid 60s range. So much better than last year, but we still have a, a ways to go to get uh, completely back to normal. Excellent. I like it. Shall we move over to wheat? Let's do it. Uh, similar to Nicole, nothing really to speak of uh, earth-shaking on the wheat balance sheet today, both U.S. and globally. Very minor adjustments to demand, uh, only a one bushel increase to seed demand, uh, negated partially by just a two bushel decrease to food demand. So net, net ending stocks only rise one bushel to 568 million bushels. But there was a couple adjustments within the wheat by class uh, with soft red winter actually seeing an increase of 12 million bushels at back up to 102 million bushels by way of a lower export target. And USDA kind of flip-flopped that this month, I noticed, because in the January WASI, they actually did the reverse. They increased soft red winter wheat exports, but this month seems like they took it all back. So we saw... Um, White wheat stocks, though, declined by an equal amount, uh, again, in that export category. So they saw about a 18% reduction in stocks from 56 million bushels to 45 million bushels. So nothing really to note in the U.S. balance sheet. And globally, we did see some production increases that Australian crop continues to get bigger and bigger. So they raised uh, the target there to now 38 million metric tons. That should just about do it for them. That's up 2 million metric tons from last month. And then finally, as I've been speaking for a couple months regarding the Russian crop, USDA did make an increase to their, their crop, but just by 1 million metric ton to now 92 million metric tons. And again, by many accounts, um, 
seems that that's still on the low end and that should be at least in the mid to if not upper 90 million metric ton range. So all in all, uh, with some massaging to demand, global stocks just saw a very modest increase by about 1 million metric ton to 269 million metric tons. So nothing really to speak of, even with the increase to stocks for soft red winter wheat, we saw though Chicago wheat futures prices actually rise today by about 10 to 13 cents per bushel, uh, kind of pushing up to four week low uh, highs here, excuse me. So probably seeing a little bit of buying interest today, but really none of that's attributed to the WASDI since it was actually fairly uh, neutral, but even slightly bearish to soft red winter. So for now, it's just going to be like Nicole said, looking at acreage decisions and how those numbers come out, uh, spring weather. And I think in two weeks here, we have the USDA's Ag Outlook Forum. So we'll get kind of some information in a few weeks there as to where the spring row crop acres are going to shake out. And that's really what the market's going to look to next, Mike. Great. Thank you, Eric. Great recap. Uh, Let's shift over to sugar. And Kevin, what did we see on sugar? Thanks, Mike. I had a great thought on my way into work this morning. What was that? On how to make WASD better. We need to change it. World agriculture supply demand estimates does not get people excited to come into work on WASD days. What shall we call it, Kevin? We should change it to Wake up and scarf donuts, everybody. Uh, wake up and <laughs> scarf, scarf donuts, everybody. I like that, Kevin. Classic. Isn't it much better? And it just ties into sugar so well. It really does. And oils. And oils. Yeah, it does. And wheat. It's just, it's awesome. perfect. I think somebody so, out there is thinking about a donut. Nicole, Eric, and I are going to get really excited if, uh, yes. if we change that. We'll make t-shirts. 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 Oh, uh, yes. We'll t-shirts. seminar. Yeah, you can get yours at the seminar. All right, Pete, get those those t-shirts going, bud. <laughs> All right. So what are they doing sugar? What are they doing sugar? Kind of the continuing theme. It's February. You know, we're pretty much uh, most of the way through crop processing at this point, or at least half, depending on which uh, which area of the country you're looking at. You know, obviously Louisiana's done. Basically, Red River Valley, you're still going to go a lot longer. But anyway, we got some pretty good intel at this point in time. So USDA is continuing to refine their production numbers. And uh, they made a host of changes. Beat, as we've been talking about, their number was really low. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. We were at 4.297 million tons or whatever. And now they're up to 5.1, up 52,000 tons. So we've been talking about that, how the sucrose content is much better. And so on their comments, they talked about the sugar recovery and how that is coming in stronger. And they're still leaving a little bit uh, of room to come up. So perhaps next month or uh, later, they will uh, still see higher numbers, assuming that the crop continues to progress well and beet plants are able to extract all the sucrose and, and get through all the beets. Uh, you know, I think we could see another 50 to 100,000 tons on the beet crop. On the cane side, last month we were a little surprised they didn't take into account much on the freeze damage in Louisiana. Uh, this month, you know, they raised up cane production quite a bit. This month they did uh, subtract some here. So they lowered Louisiana 83,000 tons. So, now back to 2.03 million tons. So still right there, record level. And then Texas, again, they were caught up in that freeze conditions as well. They lowered Texas 10,000 tons. 
And uh, that was partially offset by a 25,000 ton increase in Florida. So net-net, total on the cane crops was down 68,000 tons. Other than that, we just had a little 5,000 ton increase in TRQ, a little bit more sugar coming in from the fourth quarter than anticipated from the 21-22 quota. And that's it. So uh, net-net, we had a whopping 11,000 short ton raw value reduction in ending stocks, bringing the stocks to use ratio from 14.9 to 14.8. And uh, from the U.S. perspective, that's that's all she wrote. Great. Thank you for the recap, Kevin. It sounds like we're going to be looking forward to the March WASD with a little bit more activity. Definitely uh, see more activity on sugar because they're going to have to reset the stocks to use ratio back down to 13.5%. So if that all holds, they'll have to trim Mexico's uh, estimate, probably about 167,000 tons to get down to 13.5%. But like I said, I think you're going to see uh, a little bit more in the beet crop, if not next month, certainly before things are all said and done. Great. Thank you for the recap. And thank you, Nicole and Eric, for your recap. We're going to wrap this one up. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Don't you dare take it for granted. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. Lego. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.